0: Welcome to From the Booth, a podcast where we talk about the films playing at International Cinema at Brigham Young University. This podcast is for week one of BYU's winter semester 2022, and we're going to be talking about what we have in store for you this winter. I'm Marc Olivier, co-director of International Cinema, and I'm joined by co-director Doug Weatherford. Hi, Bud. Doug. <laughs> Hi. Great. And, and Marilor Oscarson, uh, Assistant Director of International Cinema. Hi, Marilor. Hi. <laughs> really excited to talk about the lineup. We have a lot of exciting themes coming on. Maybe first, let me ask Doug to just comment on the
1: films that we're showing for Encore Week really fast. Okay, yeah. I'm really excited about the uh, Encore films in part because La Llorona that we're showing again was the favorite film of the 290R class, which is the International Cinema Studies seminar that I taught. And although I I think there were quite a few favorites from last semester, La Llorona was clearly one that um, started a lot of conversations that really impressed a lot of people. So it's a great Guatemalan film that uh, combines a horror genre into a political historical context. If you didn't see it last semester, I encourage you to come. And then, of course, Minari was also a real fan favorite. And it's a great film spoken mostly in Korean, but set in the uh, U.S. Midwest following a Korean family of immigrants. And it's just really a good, heartfelt film that, again, if you didn't see the first time, really come and see this during the first week of programming.
0: Yes, and great to see them on a big screen. So hopefully you'll check that out. Some of the themes that we've got coming up, we'll tease a few of them here. I want to start by asking marie Laurel to talk a little bit about the belonging theme.
2: So belonging, we have 11 titles and other ones that will cross over, of course, but 11 titles that are in this series. The first one I'll talk about is Green Flake. This is a film that was made in 2020 by Molly B. And I just want to let our audience know that there's a lot of people at BYU who were involved in the making of this film and the filmmaker will be with us in February and we're planning an event right now. It's tentatively planned for February 17th. That's a Thursday. We'll have a screening with the filmmaker and a post-screening discussion with Molly B and a few other people that were involved in the making of green flake, a very important story the journey of Green Flake, a slave, and three other slaves as well, who trekked across the US to to make a trail for people to move to Utah. And so this is about race, this is about mobility. There's a lot in this film and historically very important to our church. So that's that's the first one that I wanted to talk about. There's two films, one called Flea, it's a Danish production but the languages are many in this film Dari Russian some Swedish as well Flea is about Amin's journey from Afghanistan to Denmark through Russia it's a documentary but it's mainly animated this documentary is really seen as a, as a thriller it will keep you on the on the edge of your seat and it's it's a very heartfelt documentary about a difficult journey of this family who is leaving the country to, to save themselves. Limbo as well by Ben Sharrock. It's a 2020 as well, um, a film. And this story is about Omar. Omar is a promising young musician from Syria who ends up in Scotland in a very small village the humor in this film is very dry. And even though you smile, you know this is a very serious topic and an important topic about immigration, about these these young men who are stuck in no man's land, literally. I mean, Scotland is beautiful, but they are in transit and they're waiting some, for some kind of, of light at the end of this long trip where they do not have any status. So these two films you know, coming of age, but as well about immigration, I want to point out to two other films. And these films, they are linked through the importance of of narration. The first one is Night of the Kings, again, a 2020 film. And it's a French language with Dula and Nushi. This comes from the Ivory Coast. And this young man who is imprisoned, needs to kind of save his life through storytelling he's in a prison where the prisoners are ruling and they have this this interesting tradition that this new inmate on the on the red moon has to tell stories and and he does that to save his life so the power of storytelling and we find this theme as well in when Hitler stole Pink Rabbit. And this story comes to us from World War II. It's a semi-autobiographical story from the author Judith Kerr. And it's her story. She is a Jewish little girl, and they have to flee Germany. And it's their story of their travel through Europe, and they end up in England. So the power of storytelling. So these are a few highlights of our theme on belonging, but I invite you to, to look at it closely and just to, to watch all these films. We, I wanted to point out, and then Mark will take over because we have a series (laughs) on music and dance, and that is a very, very exciting series. One film that I I mean, it's a documentary and I want to, do put a plug for documentaries because they are not as popular but i i would really encourage you to watch our documentaries this semester and this one is called Summer of Soul And this is an amazing documentary, not only because of the music, you have 19 year old Stevie Wonder, Mahalia Jackson sings with Mavis Staples. And that is amazing. You will remember this Mm -hmm. forever. We have as well Nina Simone, this wonderful experience, not only because of the music, but as well. Go for the clothes if you like fashion. (laughs)
0: Amazing clothes.
2: (laughs) The clothes and the hairstyle and the dancing. It has it all. And this documentary, basically the footage from these concerts that were in 1969, it's six Sundays of summer concerts. And we're outside in Harlem and it is an experience for the senses. So go see that documentary because, you know, we only have two screenings. For each documentary, Ugh. and so you cannot miss that. It's
0: a must. I I loved that that so much. I rewatched it recently, and that footage sat in a basement for fifty years. They couldn't get anyone to show it. Woodstock, who hasn't heard of Woodstock? But this concert series was amazing, and it gives you a feeling for what life was like at the time in Harlem, and it's just incredible performances and a better understanding of a time period that maybe not everybody is familiar with especially student age
2: and the editing is pretty amazing it is cuz it could have been impossible to watch but this will make you want to dance and sing and just prep, like do your music
0: exactly yeah well transitioning into music and dance. I think we have about nine films, if, I, if I'm i counting right, that fit in this category. Really exciting. One that I teased in our final podcast episode last semester was Hipsters. Because when I think of Russian films, I have to say a lot of times I feel the same way that maybe <laughs> students do when they think of European films and they expect it to be kind of depressing. But this is this joyous film of these kids who are wearing bright clothing when everyone else would, you know, you have a guy with a trench coat who opens it up to sell a bunch of ties (laughs) that are brightly colored ties. And, um, you know, they go off to dance halls and it's just celebratory and a lot of fun. We have other movies that you will know, hopefully, such as Singing in the Rain, which is celebrating its 70th anniversary. We have West Side Story, which you definitely will know at this point, which just celebrated its 60th anniversary. Strictly Ballroom, which is its 30th anniversary. So those are also crossover with this theme of films that are celebrating big anniversaries. But I have to say, Singing in the Rain is probably my favorite movie. It's so joyous. And what's interesting about it is that all of the numbers in it had already been used in a bunch of other movies. So it's sort of the as-you-like-it of musical theater. It's just a blast. These are all going to be a lot of really fun. Um, Maybe one that people aren't as familiar with would be The Young Girls of Rochefort by Jacques Demy, who you might be familiar with The Umbrellas of Cherbourg,
2: And that was at IC not long ago. So hopefully we have a following and welcome and see the young girls of Rochevo.
0: It's so fun. My daughter is a big music theater fan. I watched it with her and I said, what do you think? Is this cheesy in a good way? Is this cheesy in a bad way? She said, no, you
1: must show it. It's amazing. (laughs) It really is. Yeah. And I I might just interject that, um, you know, this is a thing that I was really pushing even before Mark came on. I have no talent as a dancer or a singer. Mark does, but I love dance and singing on the big screen. And uh, I just want to point out that uh, we recently showed once by John Carney, which is a real feel good movie. And uh, we're following up now with Sing street, which is kind of a second in a kind of a, in unformed. Yeah. He calls it like an unofficial trilogy. trilogy. Yeah. But it's, it's a really good feel good movie. And I think that we will have some really serious movies at international cinema, as we always do, this music and dance theme really lightens things up this semester
0: it does and you know i'm really glad because it's true i didn't come up with that theme but it felt serendipitous since i was once a music dance theater major and a young ambassador at byu so gully boy at the very end of the semester as well is going to be a revelation to people who haven't seen it it's basically about somebody who's growing up in the slums of mumbai and who dreams of making it big as a rapper and it is so fun and even though it's 154 minutes long, you won't feel it. You will wish that it would never end. So yeah. Uh, Maybe onto some not as flashy song and dance things. Um, Doug, what would you like to tell us about
1: the humans in the natural world? Yeah. So this is a theme that kind of got started because a STEM professor here at BYU asked if we wouldn't show the documentary Particle Fever. And we said, sure, we love to support curriculum. Uh, It's a documentary that uh, is directed by a former theoretical physicist about a group of efforts of scientists who are uh, working at the Large Hadron Collider in Switzerland. And they're trying to identify the Higgs-Boson particle. And one of the things when I watch this documentary to see If it would fit into our programming, is that even though it's very science based, it's a very human oriented search for our meaning our place within the natural world and within that film the group of scientists are just standing around talking and they mention werner herzog's documentary cave of forgotten dreams Mm. and i thought oh this makes perfect sense kind of as a bookends now we don't place them at the beginning and end of the semester but cave of forgotten dreams is a documentary that uh, films within the chauvet caves of southern france where the oldest pictorial art has been perfectly preserved, thousands of years old, and beautiful representations by early humans to try and understand their place in the natural world. And so that kind of kicked off This search for films that might also celebrate this uh, placing man and human beings in their natural world. And two other films that I want to quickly point out is Makala, which is a Swahili and French uh, production. And it's an amazing documentary about the incredible efforts that a young husband and father goes to to make charcoal in Congo, and then drag that across long distances to take it to market and make enough money to be able to provide a a better future. Just an amazing film. My favorite Venezuelan film of all time is in this list as well, Araya, which has shown at International Cinema before. The director is Margot Benazardraf, and she described this film as a tone poem. It's a documentary, but it doesn't feel necessarily like one. It's definitely stylized. And it's a landmark of Latin America's attempt to explore nonfiction filmmaking. And those are just four great movies. There are others on this list as well that I think people will like. And because Marilor mentioned you know, that our documentaries tend to be less popular, I might point out that I just named four documentaries as, as uh, my favorite films within this theme. I love documentaries. I encourage you to see these. These are not uh, easily forgotten films.
0: It's true. I documentaries are one of my favorites, and we even have a couple documentaries that fit into the music and dance, both "Summer of Soul" and Ailey about um, Alvin Ailey, uh, the really amazing choreographer. And you know, when Doug, when you were talking about the humans in the natural world, "Dreams," one of those films by Akira Kurosawa, is so beautiful. And it's so unusual that it also fits into another category that I want to ask you about, because the name Sui Generis might not be Mm -hmm. on the tip of everyone's tongue. So could you explain that category?
1: Yeah. So we've named this category Sui Generis and with the subtitle of Films That Defy Genre. And uh, if you've been listening to me over the last year and a half or so, as I've been a co-director, you'll know that I, I tend to like Films that don't fit easily into packages, and this seems like just a culmination of that interest, and we've got a number of films that are just going to challenge our audience perception of what a film should Be and what it should do, right? Mm -hmm. Should there be clear action, clear dialogue, an easy-to-follow plot, a lot of action? We have just a number of really good films that perhaps give us a different perspective. And uh, three uh, that I kind of want to point out are, first of all, about endlessness. I gave the IC faculty lecture a couple of years ago on uh, Songs from the Second Floor. Uh, mm-hmm. Another film by the director Roy Anderson from Sweden. He's just an amazing director. I love his work. And if you go expecting, you know, to see a lot of action, you're not going to see it. But what, what you will see is just a real human and real aesthetic attempt to understand existence and life and I think that if you haven't discovered Roy Anderson yet, I, I think uh, about Endlessness is a great film to examine. Uh, if you're a Lady Gaga fan, I can tell you that you're going to love <laughs> the film The Color of Pomegranates. She made a music video uh, a few months ago, I think less than a year. Yeah, ago. during quarantine. Yeah. Yeah. Called nine one one. It's well, it's uh, the music video for her song. On nine one one, and it, it's a very strange music video, but a lot of the strangeness comes from the inspiration of a film from nineteen sixty nine by the Armenian director Sergei uh, Parajanov, is called The Color of Pomegranates. This is a poetic film. It's based upon tableau. It's Inspired by a medieval Armenian troubadour, it's strange, it's visual, it plays with the concept of movement and stasis, and it's just an amazing film. I love this film. We were able to show it to the International Cinema Studies class, but not... Present it to the international cinema audience about a year ago, and so we're able to pre- uh, present that now. And I think people are going to like this—a film that might be a little bit controversial because uh, uh, one former uh, co-director and uh, and some others who have seen this film are less than enthusiastic, enthusiastic <laughs> about it. We love it. Uh, we mentioned this in our last. Uh,
2: the experience is worth <laughs> it.
1: <laughs> yes, we, we mentioned in our closing comments. It's Vitalina Varela. And, um, you know, Mark Yamada, who uh, just recently finished his tenure as uh, IC co-director, you know, sent in an email saying, this is going to challenge the patience of some of our viewers. Uh, And it very well might. (laughs) It's a nearly two hour. Well, it is a two hour film that has very little movement, but it is so beautiful. I watched this movie with my mouth open and just amazed at the use of space and the use of Of light and dark, and the lack of movement, and how much heart it has. Um, I noticed that a critic said that it was lit like a Rembrandt and acted like a neorealist classic. Mm. And I love that combination. Not everybody's going to like this movie. And and I tell you, some people are going to (laughs) come away saying, what was that? But if you know anything about me, you'll know that this is the type of movie that I loved. And I hope people will go and see and that we can have some great conversations about it.
0: Well, the thing about that is, this is what international cinema is all about. When I've talked to people who were students, you know, decades ago, who said, oh, this is what they remember about international cinema, going there and seeing films that they probably would never have otherwise seen. So uh, my strategy that I would recommend to viewers is when you go to see one of these films, go expecting to be as if you were in an art gallery, you know, you're comparing this film to Rembrandt about endlessness is a series of tableau where the camera is just fixed and the palette is so well controlled and minimal that each picture is like standing in front of a tableau and just contemplating what's going on. So if you go expecting all kinds of, you know, action and, you know, maybe totally character driven things, your expectations will be thwarted. But if you go there for a true cinematic experience for something that you're not expecting to see,
1: then you will be greatly rewarded. And I think one of the fun things about this is that in all of the films that I just mentioned, the camera lingers. Mm -hmm. And so what you do in that extra time that the director gives you, I think depends upon whether you like the movie or not. Right. If you're just sitting there waiting for the next thing to happen, you may not like these movies. But if you explore the space, if you explore the the image and just see what is on the on the screen, I think that you'll come away amazed by these movies.
0: Now, I think that one of them, Run, Lola, Run, is going to give you the action. It's both in that same category of films that defy genre and it is nonstop action. I don't know, Mahi, Laura, what do you, what do you think of those? Uh-
2: well, I was thinking about Run, Lola, Run, and I was thinking, wow, if that series scare you a little bit, go see Run, Lola, Run, because it's more approachable and, and not as difficult as, as some other films. But yes, I'm, I'm excited for this semester. More to come, more details on, on all those films that, you know, that we've chosen, that we've programmed, that we like something about each one of those films.
0: Yeah, we are excited for the lineup. Of course, there will be the lecture series, as usual, Wednesdays at five. Those have been amazing this semester, and they will continue to be. So we really hope you will join us for those. Any closing thoughts, Doug,
1: Myler? Well, I just might uh, point out real quickly that we haven't mentioned government order and disorder. Oh, yeah. And uh, one of my favorite Cuban films, uh, it fits into that category. It's called Death of Bureaucrat by uh, Tomás Gutiérrez Alea in 1966, and so the film is set only a few years after the Castro revolution, and it's a surprisingly biting look at life under the new uh, revolutionary government. At, At the same time, however, it's a film that pays homage To the golden years of Hollywood. So you have figures or allusions to Marilyn Monroe and Luis Buñuel from Spain and Harold Lloyd and the Keystone Cops. Uh, So there's that series as well that I think people will really like.
2: And Please do not miss 100th anniversary of Nosferatu.
0: Yes, go
2: see Nosferatu. You've got to see what was made 100 years ago and really enjoy this. And I should not mention it because it will pop out of the program. I promise. Of the poster, there's a Miyazaki. So yes, Castle in the Sky is programmed, and I know it will be a big hit.
0: Sure to be popular. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I got to second your plug for Nosferatu as a horror guy. I got to say, when I first saw this movie, I was so stunned at the artistry. I think that maybe people who haven't seen a lot of silent film aren't aware of how much they're able to express with that and how enduring the creepiness is. This Nosferatu is the best version of a vampire, I would say, to date uh, in film. I think it's really the creepiest, the template, the ultimate vampire. So, well, we look forward to seeing you this semester at International Cinema. And thank you. Thank you for joining us today from, from the booth. This podcast is produced by the International Cinema Program at BYU and supported by the BYU College of Humanities. We are solely responsible for the opinions and ideas expressed here, as they do not represent any official position adopted by the university or its supporting institutions. We thank our producer, Devin Glenn, our sound engineer, Marina Hegstrom-Pratt, and Johnny Stallings, who composed our podcast soundtrack. Visit ic.byu.edu for upcoming films and showtimes. Until next week, keep seeing great international movies.